I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. All right, joining me today, I have Chuck Aragon. He is a from Los, uh, Los Lunas. He graduated from Notre Dame, ran for them. The first New Mexican, first Notre Dame to run sub four minutes in the mile. And um, yeah, so much more. I mean, thanks for joining me today. <laughs> oh, you're welcome, Sam. I, I look forward to it. Awesome. Uh, so my first question is, how did you get into running? I think like everybody else in Las Lunas, you know, you, you wanted to uh, just be around with your friends. And that's kind of what I did. My friends were going out for track and uh, I knew that if I went home too early, my dad would make me cut weeds. So I decided to go hang out with my buddies and run track. I mean, I was really a baseball player, but, you know, we didn't have a baseball team in junior high. So I went out for the track team and uh, enjoyed it. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't anything special. I just kind of was you know, somebody that was out there running and uh, uh, started to have some success with it uh, probably my freshman year. Um, and that's kind of when I decided, actually, actually a coach decided for me, uh, Ernest Sutherland, who was one of the track coaches, told me that he, he had seen me play baseball and I was a pretty good baseball player. He said, but, but son, you could be an excellent track man. Is what, he was a Texan and he, he had that Texas attitude. Son, you could, you could be an excellent track man. So I, I adhered to his words and I continued with it. I had to choose between baseball and track at that time. So I decided to go uh, with track and I was glad I did. It's been a, a wonderful uh, sport for me. Uh, lots of great memories and lots of friendships. And then even instilling in my daughters uh, the love of it. So it's been fun. Yeah, well, that's that's pretty amazing. You know, there's a lot of kids now that, you know, they, they want to, follow their passion it's a little bit harder to just listen to a coach say no no you'll this is what you're true <laughs> this is what you're going to be really good at <laughs> well i think i think you know i i, I did enjoy it and, and uh but i like i said I, I think it was his assessment of things that made me realize that I, he was very honest with me and said that you know this really could be you know something that you could you know uh, you know get an education from uh uh, you know, get a scholarship, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, growing up in Las Lunas, that was important to me to be able to pay for my own education and, um, and, and, and really just enjoy the sport. And what did your parents think of running at that time? My parents were very, you know, they, they were very supportive, but not, uh, you know, they didn't push me in any direction. I mean, it was just, you know, it was whatever I wanted to do. And, you know, they just wanted me to be a good kid, happy, uh, that sort of thing. And uh, it wasn't uh, any, I really felt no influence from my parents in regards to what sport I should play, uh, nor, you know, really uh, any any pressure at all. So I, I think any pressure that I put on myself for success was self-generated. That's, that's good. That's great. And did you do cross country as well to you know in the in the fall to build on that track seasons oh yeah yeah i mean i think all of us did and you know that was that was a real important part of uh of the training you know you couldn't expect to run with andy martinez and gary lewis and track if you didn't run with them in cross country i mean those guys they you know they set the bar pretty high so it was a type of situation that that if you wanted to compete in the spring you had to 
you know, put, you know, you had to run cross country. I also played basketball and I loved basketball and I continued to play basketball uh, throughout my high school career. But again, I wasn't very good. I was, you know, I was good enough to, to make the team and play some, but it, it wasn't, uh, you know, a passion like track and field was for me. When did you realize that you were good enough to kind of go on to that next level and, and get a scholarship to go run someplace? I think the first time that I really kind of uh, understood that, that, you know, you know I, I, had a, I had a future in track was uh, my freshman year, I ran against Orlando Woolrich. That's a name from the past. He was uh, one of the most dominant 800-meter uh, runners. He had the state – he was from Bernalillo, had the state uh, record. Uh, I remember the race was in Hobbs. And I got second to him. I ran like 159 – no, I don't know, 159.9 probably – as a freshman. And, uh, I think people were shocked by that. And I was too, you know, that I was, I was, you know, I was just hoping to finish the race and I was ended up being second. So, and I think Orlando came up to me and kind of uh, gave me some encouragement in regards to, you know, uh, track and field and, and, and my future in it. And, and that was really kind of the springboard that, that, you know, got me looking to cross country the next season and then following up I mean, I had a lot of great mentors, you know, Clovis Romero, uh, uh, you know, uh, Coach Becerra, um, Rick Becerra um, in high school. And, and also my brother. My brother was coached me in, in cross country uh, my senior year. And so they were all very influential in kind of directing me and, and allowing me to see that, that I had a future in the sport. That's that's really interesting. Uh, what was that like being coached by your brother, uh, uh, even for just a year? It was interesting. It was because because uh, our cross country coach had retired, Clovis Romero, and, and we didn't have a coach. So my brother said, "Yeah, I'll do it." So you know, I don't know. If, uh, I, I, I'm sure this is common knowledge by now, but I mean, he would call me the day before and say, "What do you think we should do tomorrow?" You know, <laughs> and and I would you know I I would come up with some workouts, you know you know, based on the knowledge I had from running with, with Clovis Romero and, and Rudy would make him harder, you know, he'd, he'd <laughs> add stuff to him. And, but we really couldn't complain because he, he actually ran with us, you know, in, in those, I mean, he'd do all the workouts with us. And so it was hard to complain if he was doing them. And, and, you know, I, you know, I don't know, it's a track and field cross country. It's, it doesn't matter what you do. It's just like, you just got to work hard. You know, I mean, there's a lot of ways to skin the cat and I don't think there's any special way to do it, but if you're stressing yourself and, uh, and recovering, you know, that's really the key to it. Right. Right. Well, and I think I just can't imagine it, you know, back then, like now anybody who's interested in anybody wants to know, like you said, there's so many different ways to do it, but you just, you type it in and you got runner worlds articles and articles from different coaches. You got all these different resources. And, and back then it's, it's based, you know, really on whatever you've learned from, from other people. The internet wasn't, you know, a thing. Yeah, no, no, it was, it was, it was clearly word of mouth and, and really what worked. And, you know, you knew when you were doing a good workout, you didn't need runner world to tell you, man, you knew <laughs> that, you, know, you knew that when you were doing a good hard workout and, uh, and, and that's really, really what was our guide is, you know, well, you know, we, we weren't into the heart rate and all this other stuff. You know, right. it was just a matter of, of when your tongue was hanging out, you probably did a pretty good workout, you know. That was kind of, <laughs> so That's, that is a good measurement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I know you've probably talked about this a little bit before, but 
you know, what in, how'd you make the decision to go to Notre Dame? Oh, that, that was, that was really a fun thing. Um, you know, I thought I was going to go when I, I ended up running pretty fast at a, at a UNM twilight meet. I ended up running, I don't know, like, I think it was like 151 or 152. I just kind of hung on to uh, Mark Romero and uh, uh, Sammy Kippergat. Sammy Kippergat? Yeah, I think they, they were the, the guys that were in the race. And I just kind of hung on to them, man. I just stuck my nose in there and I ended up running one, three, you know, uh, 151 for the 800. And all of a sudden, boom. It just lit up, you know. I could, I had all these options to where I could go to school, and um, there was a man by the name of Ambro Sanchez that was just kind of somebody that really followed my career and 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 gave me kind of a um, a perspective, you know. I mean, he came up to me one day and he says, "Where do you want to go to school?" And I says, "Oh, you know, UNM, maybe Highlands, you know that, you know that kind of thing." He says, "He says, no, where do you want to go to school?" He says, "Where do you? What's your dream school?" And, you know, growing up Catholic and, and, uh, Mexican Irish, you know, <laughs> you, <Yeah>. know <laughs> you know, you know, Notre Dame was always kind of, uh, uh, you know, up on a pedestal and, and we'd watch Notre Dame football games and that. So I said, I said, Notre Dame. So he called Joe Piani, who was the coach of Notre Dame and just told him about me and said, this kid just ran, you know, uh, one fifty one eight and, uh, and he's interested in going to Notre Dame. So then it kind of started, you know, and Joe called me, you know, we had conversations. Um, and kind of an interesting side bit is, is when I went to visit Colorado, University of Colorado, I really liked it. I mean, you know, I got to re- meet Rick Rojas. Uh, I met, uh, you know, Mary Decker uh, and all these wow. people. And it just was just wonderful. You know, I had such a wonderful time. Boulder's just gorgeous. And I, and I remember, I remember I, my trip to Notre Dame was going to was going to be that when I rode, arrived back in Albuquerque, my trip to Notre Dame was was going to be two hours later. So my mom met me with a change of clothes at the airport, and I told her, you know, I should call Joe Piani and tell him I'm not going to go because man, I really loved Colorado. It was just great. I think that's where I want to go to school. And she says, you know, she says, Hito, you know, you've worked for it. Why don't you take the trip just to see what it's like? So sure enough, I did. And I, and I went over there kind of with a bad attitude. You know, it was just kind of like, you know, I thought I'd figured out, you know, what I wanted to do. Uh, and I remember getting to the airport and somehow my flights had been, uh, there, there was uh, a miscommunication and nobody was there waiting for me. And I'm just like sitting <laughs> here at the airport. And, you know, it was the, before the times when you had, everybody had a cell phone. And eventually, you know, Joe Piani comes pick, to pick me up about an hour and a half later, you know. So I'm like, what the heck? And um, but anyway, so I got on the campus and oh, that was another thing. In order to go to Notre Dame, I had my ACT test done, but I had to get I had they only accepted SAT. So if I was even going to be considered for acceptance, they had um, petitioned for me to take the SAT test when I was there. So I oh, on wow. Sunday morning I had to go take a four hour SAT test sitting there in this little room, and the re- and the reason I know remember it was Sunday morning is because I'm there sitting there taking the test, and all of a sudden the bells from the cathedral start going off, and I'm sitting there trying to concentrate, and the bells are ringing, they're playing all kinds of stuff. Anyway, and I had to get there was a minimum that I had to get. I had to get like I think it was like eleven fifty or something like that, and I think I got like eleven fifty one, you know, just to just enough <laughs> to get in. And, um, but, but you know, what happened to me when I was on campus, I just, I just loved it. I mean, it was just like, 
there was a sense that this is where I should be. I mean, their track, when I went to visit their, their, their track, they had a, they had an asphalt, uh, a cinder track still. Uh, their indoor facility was terrible. The, you know, <laughs> the weather in South Bend is terrible. All that stuff. You know, and I knew about all that stuff and I considered it. But there was just this overwhelming feeling that, that this is where I'm supposed to be. And I decided that that's where I was going to go to school. And, and it was really uh, uh, a decision that I made, you know, that didn't, you know, the, the data otherwise wouldn't have computed to Notre Dame, you know, taking in all the information that I had. But it just was a, a feeling of, of, of complacency in the fact that I, I really felt good there. So and it worked out great for me. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> you went on to have a, a, a pretty good career there. Um, again, like I mentioned in the intro, you you know, the first Notre Dame man and New Mexican to break four minutes in the mile. Um, you know, how long was that something? You know, was that a goal that you had in mind as breaking four? It, it, was, it, was, it was a fluke. It was a fluke. <laughs> Because so, I, I was still an 800-meter runner, you know, and I kind of saw myself as an 800-meter runner, not as a miler. I did run cross-country for Notre Dame, and I, you know, I made the top seven, and I ran, you know, as a freshman through senior. Uh, so I guess the potential was there to be a miler. But uh, the first time uh, we were we were at, at some meet, and we needed points, and Piani says, I'm going to put you in the mile just to, you know, for the, for the points, you know, because it was after the 800, and, you know, I'd already run the 800. And I ended running 404. And he was like, whoa, you ran 404 just like, you know, whatever, you know, just jumping in it. So so then, you know, I he kind of decided that, you know, next time we're going to run you in the mile fresh and see what happens. And so I got, you know, I ran against uh, in Illinois, I remember with John Gregoric and, and I ended up running 359.98, you know, so the second time I ran the mile, you know. Wow. And, uh, so it was really um, kind of a fluke. I mean, that, that I became a miler. So, you know, anyway, you know, so all of a sudden I, I run this fast and it was really, uh, it's kind of a side, but it was really, really, really fun. When I, we, we took a bus to Illinois and when we got back, we got back kind of late and on the dorm rooms, uh, somebody had put, a, or some of my friends had gotten, a sheet and rode Chuck Aragon, uh, 351 mile, you know, uh, Notre Dame, you know, and, and it was, wow. it was hanging from the, it hanging from the, the outside of the dorm. So it was really <laughs> cool. So, so it became, you know, who I was, you know, I was Chuck Aragon, the, the miler, you know? And so, so that, uh, and then after that, you know, I ended up, you know, running a few more and, and you know, running the 1500 and, and, and that's kind of how it became. And I really didn't look back after the, you know, the 800. I ended up, you know, I think in, in college I was a, you know, 149 guy, you know, it really couldn't get past that, um, you know, but, uh, but, you know, and in the mild, I saw so much more potential for myself, you know, so I think that's how that happened. That's, <laughs> that is, uh, yeah, quite some latent talent there. Um, you, you mentioned at the beginning that the Notre Dame still had the cinder track and, I, you know, it always amazes me kind of the different surfaces that, you know, people got to run in, in that transition kind of from cinder into all weather and, and stuff, you know, did you, I mean, 
obviously at a certain point you just had to run on cinder but did you enjoy the cinder chat tracks were you excited when you got to go on those all-weather tracks oh yeah we, i mean you know las lunas when i was there had a cinder track so that's really what i grew up running on you know and um you know when we got to go to albuquerque and run you know at the academy or somewhere we had a nice all-weather track it was it was great you know and you know i, I think there there is something to it i mean the technology that has gone into you know from cinder tracks to the new mondos the new you know really fancy tracks you know and, and then you can even take the shoes you know the the new nike shoes they're the technology that's come into play has made things i don't say easier but i think it's it's you know it's a, a there's an advantage you know i think what you, you know when you when, with that being said when you think about what jim ryan did as a high schooler uh on cinder tracks i mean to me that's phenomenal you know it's just uh um, but, but there definitely is some advantages to the new technology that's, that's coming to play into our sport. So, yeah, absolutely. yeah, sure. We look forward to running it. You know, everybody wants to run faster and if those kind of things help, yeah, for sure. Right. So. Right. And I, I mean, you know, I think a lot of this stuff, you know, to extend is, is saving legs. And so we see these people with longer careers, which is, which is nice as well, you know? Yeah. Um, but it just, yeah, just kind of that transition. My dad talked, you know, when he was younger and running on cinder, on the cinder tracks and it just, you know, or even the, the old, uh, plank indoor tracks, you know, it just, yeah. something about it just, you know, from those stories, I'm always so interested about them. <laughs> well, you know, obviously the, the board tracks that we used to run on indoors, you know, they were, they were 160, they were 10 laps to a mile. So that made them, I mean, they were fun to run on, you know, I mean, it was like you'd get ripped around that curve and out the back, you know, and it was fun. Uh, you know, the, the tracks now, uh, you know, they have a, a better surface than, than the plywood uh, and they're a little big, bigger. They're 220 instead of 160 uh, with the, you know, with the banks. So that, that makes them a little faster, but uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun running on those, you know, the team Coliseum used to have a great little track and, it was always fun to run on it, you know, just, uh, you'd be running along and all of a sudden you hit a loose board though. And you'd almost lose it, you know? So, so it was, it had its challenges, but, uh, you know, obviously we, we did what we had to do and we enjoyed every opportunity we had to run on yeah. indoors or any kind of, any kind of surface. That's, that's great. Um, you know, you, you talked about really feeling, Notre Dame was the place for you. You 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 went there after feeling like, you know, um, Colorado was going to be it, but and you ended up in Notre Dame. Hey, what was that like? Obviously, you had the the Catholic connection that you talked about, but what was that like? Is, you know, a Hispanic man from small town Los Lunas, you know, going into this you know Midwestern area. Yeah. You know, that's a good question, Seven. And I've always thought of that. I think it was part of the appeal, though. It was it was like outside of my comfort zone. And uh, and it, it presented to me a challenge. You know, it, it kind of who am I and, and and what's inside me and can I compete at this level? You know, not just not just athletically, but academically, socially. I mean, everything that surrounds it. You know, um, I remember the first the first time, one of the first times I was there, you know, people would kind of tease me a little bit about my accent and I never realized I had an accent, you know, and it was this kind of stuff. So, so it was interesting to me and kind of, you know, uh, 
t- taking all that information in and, 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 and still being, you know, who I am. I mean, I'm Chuck out of going from, I'm from New Mexico and uh, yeah, yeah, I might have an accent and, uh, but this is who I am, you know, and this is, this is who I represent. And, and it was always, uh, I saw it as a great opportunity to educate people. And, uh, but for me, it was, it was really, uh, a challenge, uh, academically. I mean, my first year was, was horrible. I mean, it was everything I could do to, you know, to hang in there. And, uh, um, know, I just wasn't as prepared as kids that had gone to boarding schools or whatever else. And, but, you know, one of the, one of the, the things that I'm most proud of in my life is that I started at that level and I ended up, you know, graduating with a GPA that was good enough to get into medical school, you know, and, and I, and I think that, uh, it, it showed, you know, at least showed myself that, yeah, I, you know, I can compete and I can adapt to what's in front of me. And, but yeah, it was a challenge in, you know, both in, in all those different degrees, you know, athletically, academically, and socially, but it, it, it ended up being, a blessing um, and it's something that I was able to rise to the occasion. I feel very proud of it. That's that's great. And again, you know, it's obviously worked out. You had a, you ended up with a great GPA. Uh, you, you talked about not getting great, not great, but good, good, good enough, good enough, good enough. There you go. <laughs> a good enough GPA to get into yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great would be an overstatement. <laughs> um, what what made you? decide that medicine was something that you wanted to go into? Mm, that's a good question too. I, you know, um, I, uh, I thought I wanted to be a dentist when I left Las Lunas high school. Uh, I did, I had done a little kind of, um, exploratory thing. It was through the boy Scouts where I was, uh, was, um, paired up with a dentist and kind of enjoyed just the patient interaction with him. But then when I got to uh, college and started taking physiology classes, I really felt like, uh, the dental thing was not going to be enough for me. I really wanted to explore more the, you know, the, the education that would involve, you know, the more physiology and more anatomy and more pharmacology. And so that's kind of set my sights on and, um, uh, just felt like, uh, again, it was one of those things that, um, I, I don't, I don't know that, that I started out saying I want to be a doctor. It was more, I just followed my passion in regards to, you know, what I was being taught in school. Those are the classes that I really found interesting. And and that's what I enjoyed. And frankly, that's what I did best at, you know, was that those types of classes. And because of that, um, I decided that, you know, yeah, I'm going to try to go to medical school. And, um, you know, I applied to uh, different medical schools, but I really wanted to come home to UNM and, you know, and I, I, I tried to, you know, to, to make, you know, get relationships with people that were at UNM and figure out, you know, what I needed to do. And, and I was just blessed by being able to get, um, uh, accepted at UNM and, and coming back and, uh, going to medical school here was a dream. That's, that's amazing. And I get, how did you make that decision you know, going through medical school, which is not the easiest <laughs> thing you can do, and still wanting to try to compete at a high level. Was that a decision you made like early on, or is that something that came, you know, after you yeah, already yeah, got into yeah. medical? You know, I, it's not anything that I even really, I even really thought, okay, it's either one or the other. 
I mean, I really felt like, I mean, Notre Dame was, was tough and running there was tough. So I figured, you know what, I, 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 it wasn't like a transition for me to, I mean, to be honest with you, for me, uh, probably Notre Dame was, was as tough or tougher than medical school, you know, because it was just, it was, you know, I was coming from a place where, you know, I really had to put a lot of time and energy and effort into, you know, what I was doing there. So I felt like I was capable of, of doing both. And then, um, you know, I, I uh, joined the Athletics West uh, track and field team, which I don't know if you're familiar with it, probably before your time, but maybe you, because of your interest, you might know. But they were an organization that's kind of like the Bowerman team now. You know, they, they were the Bowerman of yesteryear. And um, uh, they initially wanted me to move to Oregon. I said, you know what, that's a... I'm going to, I'm going to be in Albuquerque because I'm going to med school and this is where I'm going to be. And I got a good coach. I got, I got great guys to work, work out with. I got Peter Kovich. I got Sam Kowski. You know, I got, you know, all these guys, you know, that, that are here um, to work out with. And so they thought about it and they decided, okay, you know, that's, that's fine. And then when it came to negotiating my contract, um, instead of taking a higher salary, I, somehow we worked it out where they'd pay for my medical school. So Nike, you know, covered my, my medical school. I don't know. Wow. I, know that's, I guess that's legal. I don't know, but, but they did. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so anyway, you know, that was, you know, wonderful. And then, you know, and their obligations, you know, my obligations to them, you know, were mostly in the summer. I mean, I would go run some indoor meets, but, you know, it was a matter of, of, you know, Nike, being very flexible with me and then the medical school being very flexible with me. I mean, I, it took me five and a half years to get through those four years of medical school, but, but they were letting me, you know, take off in the summer to go race in Europe or go to the national championships and, and do all this stuff, you know? So I just would have to, you know, to, because medical school is in blocks and, and um, you know, there was a, the, the uh, Dean at the time was Diane Klepper, Klepper. And uh, she was, uh, really, you know, really helped me in being able to navigate, you know, both things in my life. And I, I, I'm indebted to her for, for her, uh, ability to, to see that, that both of these things were good and that I should be allowed to do them both. So that was, that was, that was great. That is, that is fantastic. So as you see, there are a lot of people that this isn't about, this isn't the, the Chuck Aragon story, man. This is, there was a lot of people that helped me get to where I needed to get to. You know, and then I think that's how life is, though. No, I think you're right. It, it's um, it's never, it's usually not just one person doing everything. You know, there's other people around them. And, yeah. and you've mentioned, you know, many of the people. And, and that's amazing that, one, that Nike was that flexible with you to be able to, to sponsor you through finishing school and that the school was flexible with you. It's It's not something you hear a lot of you know, nowadays with some of this stuff. And so it's, it's, um, yeah, I wish, I wish we'd hear more of that. Cause that's, you know, we get, I think we get better athletes out of that. Cause you're, you're able to be, become, you know, your full person and, and pursue both your passions, which is fantastic. Yeah. I was, I feel very fortunate, especially as I see, you know, the, uh, the scenario now, I mean, it seems like kids either do one or the other, you know, it's hard for them to kind of uh, mix the two. Um, you know, both because of sponsor responsibilities and, 
and um, and and really what they feel their obligations are too. So, so yeah, I was very fortunate. Yeah, I think one of the one of the ones I, I've I've heard about recently is um, I think his name is Marty Hare Hare or something. He but he's a a marathoner who who's run pretty fast sub sub two ten and is doing medical school and everything. But it's not there's not many. <laughs> Uh, you know what though? It's very, very doable. I mean, it's, you know, you, uh, you just have to have people around you that, that understand it for one and understand what you're trying to do. You know, for me, uh, you know, it was like the two or three hours that I would spend working out. I mean, there's no way I could have spent studying because I, you just need to take a break. And as opposed to going and, you know, throwing a Frisbee around or, or doing whatever I'd go to the track and I'd meet Abraham Hussein and Peter Koich and we'd go, you know, knock off, you know, 10 quarters or whatever the workout was. And, and to me, it was, you know, it was, uh, you know, that was mind clearing and, uh, and was enabling me to do, do even, you know, the medical school better by doing that kind of structured exercise. So, so it's, it's definitely doable and it's not, it's not anything that's unique to me or unique to the time but it's, it's definitely doable. Right. And it's, um, you know, hearing you talk about it, that's, that's often a common theme is, you know, running, no matter what level you're doing, you're doing a workout or you're just going out for a three mile jog. It's that, that clearing nature of it, that, that kind of decompressing, you know, again, whether you're doing something hard or easy, it's it just, it lets you kind of take your mind away from everything else. Yeah. No, no. And we had a good group, you know, there we had, you know, Maurice Smith and uh, Richie Martinez and, uh, you know, lots of names that you probably are familiar with that we, you know, we had a great group that we'd all meet and we'd work out hard for, you know, for whatever it was, two hours or whatever it was. And I'd go back to the library and, you know, and go study. And uh, we were fortunate enough to have, you know, Mike Middlestad as our coach. And he, he was the guy that was kind of kept it all together for us. And, um, and he was the one that was the, always telling us that, you know, you could do this, you know, and this is, you know, you, you know, it's, it's well within your reach. And, and, uh, he was made us believe in ourselves and that's, uh, all of us, you know, that was, that was, uh, if I would, was ever a coach, that's how I would emanate. My style would be like Mike. Mike was, um, a very positive, uh, individual that, you know, made you believe things, um, even if, even if uh, the facts were such that, that you shouldn't, <laughs> he would make you believe that, that you could run fast. And eventually you'd grow into it. You know, eventually you'd grow into what you believed. So that was great. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've, um, you know, I've, I've mentioned, you know, my, my dad was a runner and, and he, you know, had some interactions with Mike. And so I've, I've heard, you know, different stories from various people and, um, you know, he, he recently passed away and his, uh, you know, the piece in the paper with, with quotes from so many of his athletes, it was just, um, it spoke a lot about the type of person that he was. Well, if anybody's interested, you know, we did put together a website, uh, that kind of play, pays tribute to, to, uh, Mike and the kind of coach he was. And then some of those, uh, uh, eulogies that you're talking about are in there and, and some other information that people might want to know about Mike. 
In addition, we created a scholarship that uh, it's a small scholarship now, but we've actually had it for, for two years. We gave uh, uh, last year was, uh, let's see, Vanessa Dominguez from Pecos and then Juan Branch here in Albuquerque with the recipients. And this year, uh, Gilbert Valdez and Josette Goodlet were the recipients. And, and all these kids kind of exemplified, you know, the kind of kids that I think Mike was drawn to, you know, kids with potential, with raw potential that, that were good kids, civil, you know, good kids that, that contributed to the community and, and um, kids that um, he saw potential in. I mean, that's how I feel. He saw potential in me. And these are kids that, that I think Mike would have seen potential in. And that's what the scholarship's about. It's about giving people opportunities and, and, uh, and trying to, to search and, and evaluate their potential and be able to accomplish things that they didn't think they could. Uh, if anybody's interested in the website, it's, it's, it's easy. It's coachmikem.com, coachmikem.com. And um, again, you know, it, it talks a little bit about the scholarship that a lot of us have put together. It's just it's really just kind of a grassroots type of thing that generated from people that knew and loved Mike and really wanted to uh, uh, contribute to sustaining his memory. Uh, it's presented at the state track meet every year. And, uh, you know, there's a little write up in the, in the brochure at the state meet. And, you know, my goal is to keep Mike Middlesat's name associated with uh, high school track and field in New Mexico for as long as I can. And that's uh, what this scholarship is about. So. Well, that's that's great. I think it's, one, it's great to honor his memory. And two, I think, uh, you know, the more opportunities that we have for our kids here in New Mexico to to know that their hard work and, and what they're doing is, is paying off and that people are, are noticing it, um, any opportunity we can have to help out those kids is is fantastic. Yeah, well, great, and and it's and that that's really what this is about, this scholarship. Oh, awesome! And again, anybody who's interested, you know, it's coachmikem.com. It'll be there will be a link in the show notes to this episode. So if you want to check it out, easy, <laughs> click on it, type it in, you know, whatever you want to do. <laughs> so you know, you talked about you know working with Mike and and you know doing the, you know, the medical school and everything, you had some pretty good, you know, years during that time. I think you were third at the 83 Pan Am, Pan Am Games in the 1500 um, and then went on to the Olympic trials there in uh, 84. Um, oh, Seb, I was hoping you weren't going to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty disappointing, you know, that getting fourth in the Olympic trials, but, you know, by 500 of a second, but. So yeah. it's, kind of like, it's, it's, it's become my legacy, I'm afraid, you know, I mean, of all the good races I ran and, you know, and not that that wasn't a good race, but it, it cr truly is, you know, who I'm, what I'm known for is the <laughs> guy that got fourth in the 1984 Olympic trials by 500 of a second. But uh, yeah, so. It's, it's, it's hard because, you know, there's so many people when, when you say, you know, you know, being fourth in Olympic trials, like, oh yeah, I take that in a heartbeat. But at the same time, like, you know, knowing that you're that close and, and, you know, I mean, 
they always say, right? Fourth's fourth's the worst, <laughs> the worst place to get because you're so close, and especially in a race like that. But I mean, it, it's I, I can't imagine what that would feel like. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, it was um, it was tough, and um, but uh, it was it was interesting. I tell a little side story here. When I was walking off the track, uh, you know, I was you know pretty pretty broken up about not making the Olympic team. And I'm walking and I'm, you know, I got tears in my eyes. And and one of the officials came up to me and said, uh, it's beautiful. And I says, what? She says, she said, it's beautiful that you wanted it so badly that it hurts you so badly. And I didn't really understand it uh, then. Uh, I thought the lady was nuts. <laughs> You know, but as years have gone by uh, and I sit here, you know, as a 63-year-old man, it really was beautiful to have something in my life that, uh, you know, that really could hurt that badly that I, that I was so committed to. Um, and, and I don't know that everybody gets that opportunity, you know. And so, so yeah, it was, uh, it was beautiful. And, um, you know, now I – not that it doesn't – you know, I, I – when I talk about it, I, it's not that I feel like um, it, it, it doesn't hurt, you know, in regards to not making the team, but I've come to accept the positives that it's instilled in, in me in my life. So all good here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's good. I mean, it's, you know, for many people, you know, those disappointments help push them on, you know, and, and continue and obviously that wasn't the end of your career. You you continued running for, I uh, I believe three more years. I think eighty yeah. seven was your last race. I ended up making the 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 um, world championship team that went to okay. Rome. So that was great. So that was kind of you know a little bit of satisfaction from not making the Olympic team. So that was good. So but but yeah, you know at the end of the day, I had a great career. It was you know wonderful to to be able to find out what was inside me and get the opportunity to race at the level that I did. Um, you know, so it was all positive and there's really no negative to my career. What is that decision like when it's, when you decided to step away from it? Well, uh, you know, it was, I kind of got to the point where I needed to do something because I was done with medical school. I needed to start a residency and I kind of, I thought, okay, 88 is going to be it. I mean, if I was going to be the, in my mind, that's what it was going to be, you know, and, and it wasn't like uh, I, I did it one day, decided that I was going to step away. It, I, it was part of the plan that in 88, I was going to sustain myself till 88 and then start my internship. Uh, and, and I remember, I remember my first day of internship, you know, I, here I was, you know, you know, Chuck ought to go on 351 mile or whatever, you know, this and that. <laughs> and I remember the first day, you know, somebody asked me about it and then that was it. That was the last time we talked about it. And from then on, I was just the lowest form of life in the hospital, an intern. You know, I was just, <laughs> I was, I was just another intern and uh, all that stuff was, you know, they don't really, all the, they don't really care how fast you ran. It's just whether you can do this H and P and whether you can take care of this and whether you can, you know, do the scut that needs to be done that an intern does and <laughs> whether you're going to show up and whether you're going to, you know, that, that's, 
and and to me that was probably the best thing that's the best way that it could have occurred as opposed to kind of hanging on or doing this or that it just was one day i realized that okay that part of my life is over and now here i am i'm at the bottom of the ladder trying to make my way back up you know to in this in this field in this this scenario because it really was that i mean those guys nobody cared you know it was it was about okay you know how helpful are you going to be to me taking care of these patients that's good it worked out (laughs) where did you do your residency my residency uh i did um my first year my my internship was in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan, with Michigan State, Michigan State University. Okay. So I did I did a, a year there that was, was my internship, and then I did a, a residency in, in anesthesia at the University of Vermont. Okay. Um, so, so is that your specialty, anesthesia? I'm an anesthesiologist. Yeah. Okay. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> and how'd you end up in uh, in Montana? Because that's, that's a good question. To, you know, I. Uh, I really wanted my wife and I. We wanted to go back to Albuquerque, and I, I want, really wanted to work at you know Presbyterian Hospital. That was kind of I was a I was a ORA uh, at Presbyterian during the summers when I'd come home from college. I'd work as you know I'm really an ORA. What they, they do is they you know transport patients and they you know um, mop the floors at between surgeries and that sort of thing. And there was another kid by the name of Scott Johnson who was in medical school with me as well that ended up, he, we were we were doing the same thing and he ended up becoming a, a cardiac a heart surgeon. And Scott Johnson, I think his brother was the governor at one time. Uh, <laughs> but um, anyhow, so so I thought that's where I really wanted to go back to and work as, as uh, an anesthesiologist. So uh, I came back and interviewed, you know, and uh, they said, well, we don't have a job right now, but we, we would, we want you. And, and, you know, as soon as the job comes up, you know, we'll, we'll take you. And I'm like, I got like $300 in my bank account. I mean, you know, it's like, I need a job. I need, I need to do something, you know? I mean, I, I, I had a six month old Alexa and $300 in my bank account. I, so I needed to take a job, you know? So this job in Billings was, was here and, and my wife, Kathy and I had, and we had traveled to Montana and we liked it. It was beautiful. So I came up here and interviewed and I got the job. And so, you know, we made the transition, came up here and it couldn't have been more than four months later. A Presbyterian calls me and says, Hey, Chuck, we got an opening. We got a spot for you. And I'm like, so Kath and I had a kind of heart to heart and we said, you know, you know, we're here. Uh, why don't, you know, let's just do this in, in three years. We'll decide you know, let's at least stay here, you know, a couple or three years and, and then figure out what we're going to do next. Because, you know, we liked it. The job was good. Um, Billings ended up being a great place to raise our children. Um, you know, and so it's, it's been a, it's been a good transition for us, you know, but that's how it happened. I mean, it was, it, I mean, really our intent was to go back and I was, you know, work at Presbyterian and live happily ever after, but it didn't happen. And, um, so we made the best of, of where we're at and, and we miss New Mexico, you know, terribly. And we love going back and we love, you know, our friends there and family there. But, uh, you know, for, for Kathy and I and our three daughters, this has been a great place to be. And, uh, you know, we've made great friends and, uh, our, our life here is pretty simple. You know, I live about, I live about a half mile from the hospital. I ride my bike or run to work in the morning and, uh, um, 
it's 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 very simple. The grade schools that the kids went to were a quarter mile down the road. Uh, so it offered us simplicity. And uh, it's a smaller town in Montana. I'm a fly fisherman. It's it's, it's all very accessible. So that's really what kept us here. Um, but we love New Mexico, and we probably will eventually have a place in New Mexico, and uh, and um, probably still have a place in Montana too, though. But we'll see. We'll see. That's all you have to do. It all depends on where the where the daughters end up and where the grandkids are. I guess that's kind of part of the deal. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. That's how. I think a lot of people kind of work things yeah. as they get older. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about your daughters a little bit because uh, I, I believe they all ran. Yeah, um, let's talk about them. That's my favorite subject. <laughs> How, you know, did you ever push them into running? Did they come into it on their own? Was there a little bit of encouragement? How did how did that work out? Or, and were you just excited that they that they got into it? You know, I... I I, I think that what got them into it is seeing Kathy and my and, and myself running, uh, particularly my wife, Kathy. She was, you know, always doing uh, training for, you know, fun runs and races around here. In fact, she even qualified for the Olympic trials marathon in, at, at 44 years of age, you know, so. Oh, wow. So, you know, and, and, and I, and I know, you know, people will know, you know, Kathy Aragon is really Kathy Pfeiffer from right. New Mexico. And uh, so it was probably more her influence, you know, uh, I have pictures of them running in a baby jogger, you know, could barely hold their heads up and, and they're, you know, bouncing down the road with my wife pushing them or, or you know, and they, so, they, so it was always around them, you know, it was always, they, they, and then when they, we really didn't push them and, and, and in the sense that, you know, going to Hershey meet or, age group meets. And that was probably more my wife's influence. She realized that, you know what, it doesn't really matter if you run the Hershey race or, you know, and when they got into jun junior high, they started, you know, racing and running. And, and again, we didn't push them, you know, in the summers, they just did what they did. And then when they got to high school, it was a little more competitive, a little more, you know, serious. And, and then that's when kind of their own um, goals took over, you know, when they started seeing themselves, that they could have some success, kind of like my scenario, where it basically, you know, you start understanding that you're pretty good at something, and that that makes you not only happy but uh, gives you um, uh, an ability to, to to maybe do something more with the sport. So that's how really it. it and, and then and then once Alexa did it, you know, Danny saw her and followed her, and then once you know Christina. You know, I don't think, you know, Christina was a very good gymnast. She was a level 10 gymnast and oh, wow. uh, she did that as well as uh, track and field and cross country. But I think she always kind of knew that uh, really her aptitudes lied in, in running. And, you know, she ended up running one of, one of the fastest um, uh, 1600s, you know, in, in the nation. And I think she's ranked like, fifth or fourth or fifth overall uh, of all time, you know, so she, she really, uh, really excelled at the sport and, uh, but they all, you know, were able to go to school and go to college on, on track and field scholarships. And I think they would all attest to having, you know, a really wonderful experience, you know, two of them at Notre Dame and then the black sheep went to uh, Stanford, you know, so, so, you know, it was, uh, 
obviously it came down to, to Stanford or, um, well, Stanford, Oregon or, or Notre Dame. And I, she was really, you know, struggling with it. And, and I remember telling her one day, I said, you know, there are a lot of things in this world that you consider other people. This isn't one of them. You know, this is a decision that you need to make on your own. It doesn't matter that I went there or your sisters went there. Uh, it's wherever you want to go. And so Stanford has been a, a great decision for her. In fact, I even have Stanford hat on right now, but, but it's been a great, um, you know, place for her, for her. Um, she finished up her career this year and was third at the NCAAs and, um, and this weekend, which will be fun, uh, both Danny and Christina have qualified for the USATFs and they'll both be in the field. So there is a chance that both Oregon girls will be running against each other in one of the prelims and hopefully the finals. So that's, so tune in. <laughs> that's, yeah, absolutely. I knew that Danny had qualified and I, I guess I didn't realize that. Yeah, Christina um, has as well. That's, that's great. That's, <laughs> that's got to feel really good. <laughs> yeah, you know, it does. It does. And uh, even if she did go to Stanford instead of Notre Dame. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and, and speaking of that, you know, you um, have, if anybody follows you on Instagram, you know, you've kind of taken on this other, um, I don't I don't know if it's a side gig or whatever, but you're you're out there, you're taking pictures not only of, of your girls, but of the teams that they've represented and, and sharing those. And it's really kind of cool to see and get this you know other perspective of not just like you know a photographer who's out there but you're you're out there actually being able to capture your your daughters as well um what is that like how did you get into that into photography well i again it, it started probably when they were in junior high i mean i went out and bought a camera and took pictures of them i mean i i can count on one hand the number of pictures that i have of myself running you know uh, and but it was a different time obviously but so, you know, I, I picked up a camera, started taking pictures, me and another dad that, that uh, had his daughter running. And we kind of, you know, got into it. And, and then as they progressed through high school and, you know, I did a little more. And then as they went to college, I mean, I felt like uh, it was a way to be around the sport and around my daughters, you know, and and uh, and and as you know, now we even go to meets where my daughters aren't running or scenarios where they're not involved. And I enjoy taking the pictures from a standpoint of a love for the sport and being around it and um, a way of giving back, uh, a way of uh, promoting the sport. Um, you know, people appreciate pictures of their kids and people appreciate pictures of track and field. And so I've, I've kind of grown to this point where, you know, it's, I mean, it's obviously not a business for me, but it's a really strong hobby that allows me to uh, continue to be um, uh, be associated with the sport and give something back. And really, that's what my photography has been at this point. So that's, hopefully that's it'll continue to grow and hopefully I'll get better at it. And it's fun. It's fun doing something that that you can see yourself progress and grow. And there's a lot of great mentors out there that are helping me and you know and and uh, you know there's there's some great sports photography people out there that that i kind of hang around with and try to learn from and and it's it's a it's a fun activity for me you're uh, you kind of talk about it almost in the same way of the the people that helped you with your running 
Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a guy that needs a lot of help. That's, that's, let's just say that right off the bat, you know, full transparency, you know, I haven't done anything by myself, you know, so. Uh, when your daughters were in high school, uh, were you, uh, were you just a dad or, or were you uh, Chuck Aragon, the 351 miler? You know, how, did, <laughs> how did the coaches look at you? <laughs> you know, um you know, I hadn't really ever thought of that. I, I, I don't think, I think people were aware that I was, you know, both my wife and I had, you know, some knowledge and some expertise that it came to running. And we were, um, uh, I think coaches uh, were, you know, some of them were looked at that as a positive. Some of them looked at it as a negative, I think, in the sense that, uh, you know, we, we really tried not to influence anybody or to, if somebody asked, for uh my opinion i would give it but it wasn't that we led with our opinions both my wife and i and 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 there were you know parents that would ask us about you know training and this and that and and we were you know we were uh we we would offer it our opinion but but again it was on the in the background and not up front you know when my kids um you know they had coaches and uh and if their coaches asked me what I thought I would give them, you know, my opinion of what the, the kids needed um, and, and, you know, and how their training might, might, you know, be optimized. And because, you know, the high school season is so weird because it's, especially up here, I mean, it doesn't, you know, the snow doesn't leave till March or April and then May's the state track meet, you know, so it's like really short, you know, so, so you got to get a lot done in a very short period of time. And, uh, and so, it made it, it made it difficult, but, but no, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it was a big factor, you know? So. That's, that's awesome. I, I, it's, you know, just always curious with <laughs> people, you know, who, who ran very well and then, you know, their kids are going through, but obviously it sounds like you handled it well, you know, whatever the situation was. I know when Danny, uh, I had her on the podcast last summer and, you know, she always expressed that it was a, a, it was a good situation for her. So, I mean, it, it sounds like it overall worked out. So that's awesome. Um, well, you know, I, I got, I got to admit that when we would sit at dinner tables, one of the subjects that I, my favorite subject at dinner was, was running and, and talking a little bit about, yeah. I don't know if it was their favorite and uh, topic, but, but, you know, discussing races and training and this and that, and, um, you know, giving my opinion to them about what, they could have done or should have done or whatever. But my wife would kind of pull me by, kick me under the table and, and that would curtail, you know, but uh, so hopefully I wasn't too much of a, of a nuisance to them. <laughs> I mean, they'd all call me at father's day. So maybe that's you know yesterday. So that's probably, I think they still like me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so are you going to be there at the, uh, uh, the trials then? Oh yeah, yeah. Kathy and I are leaving on Wednesday. Yeah, we're gonna go Wednesday, so we'll be there and um, uh, see how it goes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's that's good. Obviously, best of luck to the girls, and and glad that you're gonna be out there, and and you and your Kathy are able to to make that trip and be a part of that with with them. Well, I'll tell you, I always tell people it's it's our one extravagance. I mean, we'll fly clear across the country to watch our kids run for, you know, four minutes 
and or two minutes. And if it's less time, we're even happier, you know. So, <laughs> so we uh, we it, we do uh, enjoy the sport. We enjoy the sport and, and watching our kids. You know, so two of our favorite things. So. You know, one thing I was going to ask you, and you touched on this a little bit, was you know how much is is running still a part of your life? Obviously, you're you're, you're there for your daughters. You're you're there taking pictures and involved that way. You talked about um, you know running to work at times. So, you know what is what does running mean to you? You know now. Well, I think you know I, I probably get most of my exercise by riding my bicycle now. You know, it seems like it's a lot easier on me to go out and my wife and I actually yesterday rode for four hours on the continental divide trail, wow. um, climbed like 3000 feet elevation. And, uh, I told her it was the worst father's day I'd ever had because it was so hard. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so we, you know, I got to keep in, I got to keep in shape to stay, to, to be able to hang with my wife. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's what it's become, you know, it's becomes a way to stay in shape, to be able to enjoy my, company with my wife um and uh but you know otherwise I'm, I'm a fan i'll always be a fan um it's, it's been been wonderful it's been a great sport it's been uh very generous to our family in the sense of uh, accomplishments and uh and memories and uh and friendships you know so that's that's great i mean i can tell you know in, in the way you're talking about it just the you know, the connections and, and all the people that you're able to, to point to that, you know, it's more than just helping you along the way. I mean, you, you become close with these people you're running with every yeah. day. I think every runner has, knows that feeling. Yeah. So, yeah. um, you know, this, I, I'm, I'm really appreciate your time. Thanks again for, for making this work. Um, yeah, I have one more question. It's kind of how I end the podcast. And that's just, um, you know, what do you listen to to kind of get you going, get you motivated, whether it's for your long bike rides or maybe it was for a workout, you know, 40 years ago? (laughs) What do I listen to? Yeah. Uh, Let's see. I mean, if I'm out gardening, I like classical music because it's relaxing. If... uh, if I'm going to go out and get on my, my bike and uh, if I was going to listen to music, um, I might put on, uh, I do, I don't know, I, I do like country music and um, that, that's probably what I would listen to, just um, good old country music and uh, and classical music when I'm gardening. So Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate your time. Um, who knows? At some point, I might have all the autogons on. <laughs> Talk to everybody. Get get Christina. Get uh, Kathy. It, it would know, be interesting to see if the, uh, the stories are the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or what the perspectives were on. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe my my uh, the way I view things would be different, but <laughs> still the way. That's one of the things that you when, when you get older, you know you. you kind of forget really the realities of things. So, <laughs> so, but uh, All right. Well, listen, I appreciate your interest in the, and I appreciate the fact that you're continuing to, um, to make our sport better and, and to uh, get more people interested and involved. And I think it, it takes things like, like this that you're doing, uh, Seb, to, uh, 
you know, to, to create interest. And uh, it's, it's, you're doing a great service to, to all of us as uh, runners and, uh, and, and particularly New Mexico runners. I'd once again like to thank my guest for their time and thank you for tuning in. If you have the opportunity, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or just help spread the word. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud at DJ Teach. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RunningNM. Feel free to drop me a line or shoot me an email at runningnewmexico.com at gmail.com if you have any questions or know of someone who should be interviewed. In the meantime, keep running, New Mexico.